Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now is the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the Lightbulb Moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck. Hi there, welcome to Ida, where we address how you can ideate, decide, act on business topics we talk about in each episode and apply them to your own startup. My name is Ganika Pinnam. And I'm Varika Pinnam. We're the founders of Ida, Ideate, Decide, Act. At Ida, we connect female founders to investors, one-on-one mentoring, and resources to help grow their businesses. In today's episode, we have Ocean Morgan, three-time serial entrepreneur at Just22 and founder of Kaivet Media a done-for-you service to help business owners automate and streamline their operations and sales processes. Hi, Ocean. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you have quite the impressive background. So we just love, uh, you know, overview of how you got started and just the companies you founded and how you did that at such a young age. Yeah, so it actually goes way, way back as young as six years old. I got my first laptop from my dad, and I was a really big gamer back then. So I came across this online game, but the thing was the membership was $5 a month. So (laughs) I actually ended up on Google, and I typed in how to make money online, and eventually that led into how to make a PayPal. And by the time I turned eight, I was getting maybe about $20 deposited into my account every other week. And what I was doing was publishing articles online to an online platform and they would distribute that money back to me. And I was also setting up websites as kind of like an affiliate marketing hub where people, you know, I could drive traffic to it and people would purchase products there and also get a cut of that as well. And then fast forward to when I was 14, I was still doing a bit of gaming. So That's when I established my first limited liability corporation. I had to do it under my dad's name because I wasn't old enough to sign a contract. But I was (laughs) a YouTuber before the term was coined. So I did that until I graduated high school. And then fast forward to baby sophomore year of college, I started a collegiate apparel brand with my co-founder, Clara, called Geistware. And then now... A little bit after junior year, I started Kyvent Media, which is my marketing agency. Super cool. So you're on your fourth company now, if I have it. Yeah, kind of. Would you count the blog as the fourth one? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I guess so. Okay. But I mean, that's pretty pretty cool, though. (laughs) Thank you. It's definitely been a whirlwind. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, and then what inspired you to start um, Kaivent specifically, you know, after your whole journey and stuff? It's actually really funny. So kind of exactly a year ago, I stumbled upon Money Twitter. And I don't know how exactly, but maybe the algorithms must have known I've done a, quite a bit of online business in the past. But I stumbled upon Money Twitter. And then there was this Gen Z entrepreneur, a little bit younger than me. He goes to ASU currently. And he just closed me on the phone. I literally took every single penny that was left out of my internship money. And then I kind of invested in this online freelancing program, which taught me how to start an agency, all the legal stuff behind it, what offer to pick. And ever since then, I've been refining it over time. And now it is what it is. Okay, super cool. Um, what is money Twitter, by the way? <laughs> I am not big on Twitter. <laughs> That's actually a really good question. If I had to summarize it in one line, I would say it's just a hosh posh of Gen Z entrepreneurs, millennial entrepreneurs, and literally anyone in any scope of life who are making money online through a variety of forms like SEO, email marketing, sales, you name it. <laughs> okay, super wow, cool. We'll check that out. something new today, money Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um, since you said you went through this whole boot camp for freelancing um, and, you know, starting up that kind of agency, um, like what tips or like key takeaways did you learn about starting that kind of business, which, you know, requires a lot of human capital, right? Because um, you have to like hire people to do that what's done for you services. Yeah, definitely. So I'm actually really glad I joined the program because they've kind of passed down their teachings over time with their own agencies. So when you're first starting out, I would say until you get your first two clients, you're pretty much going to be handling everything yourself. So if you, for example, want to do email marketing for e-commerce brands, you probably want to learn how to do email, email marketing by yourself until you build up that acumen because you kind of need to figure out what exactly you're doing before you can streamline that process. So my offering right now is building out webinars for online coaches and consultants to really streamline their business. And I really had to take a lot of time to figure out the moving parts and pieces behind that. Mm -hmm. So I would say until you get your first one to two clients and you really figure out what is the most efficient way to deliver this, what is you know any complications that come up along the way, then you can kind of sort of get enough money when you're charging higher ticket prices and you can find people on money twitter or through upwork fiverr and things like that so i have a contractor right now who is my facebook ads manager he is an absolute rock star he lives in canada out of all places but he is absolutely amazing i know a little bit about facebook ads but you know i'm trying to also do a lot of other things and moving parts like sales and fulfillment so mm -hmm. yeah so that sounds like, a, like you're saying, that's a lot of hats that you have to wear. And then sometimes you do have to like give it out to someone else to do it, outsource the workout. But I feel like, you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that require these kind of um, automation and streaming in the business process. Can you talk about a little bit about the strategies and tips for that? Yeah, awesome. So the stack that I use, I guess I can go kind of sequentially on the order that I use it. So Number one, for my website, I use WordPress, but specifically for sales funnels, which are just high converting websites, I use ClickFunnels. 
So it's a drag and drop interface, both of them, which makes it really easy. Even though I have a computer science background and some web development background, it makes mm-hmm. it really easy for me to just set something up really, really quickly using proven templates. So it's made my life a lot easier on that spectrum. And for booking calls, I use Calendly. So instead of going back and forth on emails when I'm doing outreach or when someone wants to book a call with me, I can just input the times that I'm available and they can just pick a time that works for them. So that saves us a lot of time. And then I also use something called Zapier. So when someone goes on my ClickFunnels landing page, they want to sign up for my email list, I can automate those tasks and... Um, what, what it does is that when someone enters in their contact information, for example, I get an email exactly when they do it. And they also, what Zapier does is input that information to a spreadsheet for me. So it's really convenient and it ties together all these moving parts. Yeah, absolutely. We love Calendly. We always talk about it. And it's so funny that you mentioned Zapier. So we use it too, but then in my head, it's so fancy to me that I always um, think of it as Zapier. But yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, um, so that's great. And then ClickFunnels, like you were talking about. So WordPress is really great, but I know a lot of people like struggle with it mm-hmm. um, just because if you're, because I know most people like try to like lean towards like Wix and Squarespace if you're just getting started, but WordPress has a lot more functionality if you can, you know, maneuver, maneuver your way around it. And then ClickFunnels is really great, like you were saying, like for leads and, you know, um, that funnel process. So when you're building those for your clients, I'm guessing for webinars and stuff, how do you make it um, high converting? Like what are your best tips for building a funnel that's high converting? Mm -hmm. There's actually a really quick answer to this. And it's just, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I have templates from seven and eight figure consultants like Sam Ovens. I'm part of one of his programs. So I can literally take his templates that he's been using and putting a lot of money into and has proven over time that it converts well. And I just plug and play. Okay, super cool. So if you wanted to like, if you were to advise somebody else who wanted to like build these kind of pages similarly, like where do you think they should start their search in um, terms of, you know, um, getting those like proven methods working for them? Mm -hmm. So the basic component of a webinar funnel, for example, let's say that you're selling a course for $1,000 or more. What typically happens in the flow is that someone clicks on a Facebook ad, then they get taken to a landing page where they input their email. And let's say you're hosting a webinar later that day. So they input their email and then they come back a few hours later and they get taken to the webinar page. You have a series of slides that you're going to present to them. And at the end, they're going to give a certain like let's say 20% discount code off for that offer. So they incentivize them to take action then and there. If for some reason someone doesn't show up to the webinar or they bounce out of it before it ends, we always have email marketing in place. And I use Active Campaign for that. It's I know we're going on to a different tangent here, but with Active Campaign, it's really amazing because it allows you to kind of segment where exactly someone has fallen off from the funnel. It knows exactly what certain time of the webinar that someone has fallen off from, if they scheduled a call or not, if they purchased or not. It's really, really amazing. So we can capture them, bring them back to the webinar with certain incentives like a free PDF if they come back. And then so every step of the way, we want to lead to that sale. And if we don't get the Mm -hmm. sale, 
we can offer a free trial, you know, keep on going. It's really endless. And what's great about funnels is that, you know, you can keep bringing them back. It's very, it's a list of steps. Unlike a regular website where you get really lost, there's an about page, there's like a reviews page, so many different moving parts, and it gets really confusing. So we really, really want to get that granular level of detail about every step. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with, too. And a few years ago, like all web, you know, webinars and online classes might not have been a thing, like not that much. But nowadays you see a lot, right? There's a lot of webinars, for, like literally for everything from cupcake baking to like, you know, starting your own website. There's everything. So say someone wants to start like a webinar or like want to sell their product in class. How can they sell through all of this noise? Because there is a lot of competition for this field as well out there. Just like everything because of this uh, new era. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get really good at sales. I was not a salesperson. I come from an engineering background, like Lily <laughs> on my own online business. I kind of only worked with myself in the past, but I've spent a lot of time and resources on learning from people, getting their certain sales scripts that are very high converting and they work extremely well. So on a webinar, usually the first step is kind of introduce yourself, make it paint a picture for the person who's watching because their lives are going to change by the time they get to the end. If you do this properly, you have to Mm -hmm. reorient those false beliefs that they have in their head. For example, certain people, when they're getting started with online business in their head, they're thinking, Oh, this is never going to work for me. I can't break through the shackles of my nine to five, so on and so forth. Those beliefs are embedded due to our just society and the way that we're raised, but they really need that person who is an authoritative figure and can lead them through breaking free from that limiting mindset. So that would be the first step. The second step, as you lead them through, you would tell them more about your story, and then eventually you can show how you were in the past, you know, I was in your shoes, things like that, and then show them what you are today, how much success you've gotten, all your results from other people, take your FAQs, testimonials from your customers, and turn that into lead nurturing assets in the webinar. So you're really setting up this really great kind of sequential sort of way about how they're thinking psychologically and you're using that to your advantage. So over time, as the hour goes by, finally, you make the close. Show them that your solution is the only solution that can solve their problems. And if you led up to this very properly, they're going to be very much into it. So at that point, you want to give a discount like that 20% off. So that way you can encourage them to take action now. And then hopefully you get the close after that. Yeah, um, that's a great, uh, very streamlined approach that you just gave. So hopefully it was really helpful to a lot of listeners, I think, um, because it's a really good lead magnet, especially um, you see that a lot now, um, like you were saying, with ads bringing in the first kind of batch into the top of your funnel, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So that was definitely very helpful. So, and, you know, you probably do a lot of Facebook ads, like for your own company. And then you said um, helping, you know, you have, you've outsourced it to the person in Canada to help for your clients and how how can a startup or like you know an early stage business like know when the right like cutoff I guess is to spending the money on ads and marketing and you know in your experience like what's a way to drive ROI on that and you know improve your returns you know above average Mm -hmm. that's a very good question 
Before you launch a single ad, you have to know your numbers. In your current offer, you need to know at what price point you're going to sell to potential customers, what your average profit is, what your lifetime value is for a customer. And then you can use those numbers to figure out, okay, how much can I spend before I actually start losing money? So for our webinars, let's say my client has a $3,000 program. They can spend up to $3,000 to make a single sell. That is insane margins. Spending $3,000 in one month on Facebook ads, especially as an auction platform, will allow you to outcompete your competitors. Now, I know it's very different for certain e-commerce products. So I run an e-commerce brand where our average selling price is about perhaps around $30. So our margins aren't that great, but you want to know, okay, how much on average does my customer spend? For us, that's about $60. So if we play our cards right, we can spend, you know, $60 probably per day as much as we want in order to get a sell. So you have to work with someone who also has proven results. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Facebook ads is a lot when you're just getting started out. If you mm -hmm. don't know what you're doing and because the platform changes so often and you don't know what you're doing, you are going to lose money and it's going to be quite expensive money. <laughs> so luckily I did find this contractor in Canada who had proven results and we were able to do a lump sum per month. But if you are like an e-commerce brand and you don't have that much to start out with, you can do a percentage of your ad spend. So for example, if you want to spend $500 per month, you can, you know, give your contractor 10% of that per month. So that's a good rule of thumb. Okay, that's really helpful. And like working backwards, like you were saying, um, like figuring out what can I possibly lose and it won't hurt that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right. Because I mean, we've been lucky with like our ads and stuff, because um, just from A-B testing yeah. and getting good results. But I've met people who've lost thousands on Facebook ads, um, especially if you just turn them on and don't monitor daily. Like people think it will just kind of auto fix itself. Like you have to be on that every single day and tweaking yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a good, really good one too because you keep watching it every single day. Like you watch a, like a cooking pot, like make sure everything <laughs> is going right. Because if not, like one day your numbers are going to be through skyrocket. Oh yeah, exactly. And I think the issue that a lot of people also face when they start Facebook ads is that Sometimes they don't understand the fundamentals behind direct response marketing. Not only do you have the actual core data and KPIs in place, but you have to know how to sell through written words, which is called copy, mm -hmm. copywriting. So a lot of people in ads, they just don't have, they don't do it any justice. And I kind of see this in older companies that try to switch to digital, like older law firms, they, they have, I don't want to say it looks spammy, but they, like, I just, I just don't understand. They're kind of throwing their money down the drain because they don't understand how to really hook people in. I don't know if you've seen those kind of ads where it's just like, oh my gosh. what is this? <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's really important not to look scammy, especially because there are a lot of scams out there and people are being really cautious these days. <laughs> That's something to really watch out for. And I think like going back to what Rika was saying before about A-B testing, I think that's another good way, as you were saying, talking about copies is to like make two different copies and like test them out and see which one is working well for you and like cut out the other copy. You know, sometimes you will see like really like upfront, like, okay, this is costing more and how much one copy is driving in more results. Cut it out and make those copies like 
small tweaks or maybe even big ones, mm-hmm. but obviously yeah. directing towards your same ad. We had to do that. We had to like cut one copy out. We're like, okay, this is not working. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that even my first client, I guess she wanted to be a little bit more hands-on, but we had explained to her why we needed at least three different photos, three different ad angles, because you really want to have enough to test. You cannot definitively say what people are going to choose, like what's going to be high converting. Mm -hmm. You'd rather have a lot more to work with than not enough because you're just going to throw your money down the drain. So that's another thing. Yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, like you were just saying, like a big takeaway from that is start with a few sets and then tweak from there. Like, um, don't like put all your money into one set and like Facebook will let you um, divide the money evenly so you can like pick a winner, so to speak. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something, you know, people out there listening, um, start with multiple copies of, you know, the messaging, the call to action, the creative, like the, you know, the image and go from there. Everything. And I think like some people might he- be hesitant to that because they're like, oh, but I'm splitting my money across this and it might not drive <laughs> more traffic, you know? Uh-huh. But yeah. I think that's the point. Like that's the point is to like split your money. And even though you are spending more money, you'll know which one the winner is and you can cut it, cut the other two or how many more copies you have out there out. Um, that's what we did. I know like that's what uh, Ocean was saying to do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then um, it was so funny because when you were talking about the lawyers, I totally see that a lot. Like they'll just say something completely random, like work with the lion. I'm like, what lion? Like, (laughs) is this a law firm? Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. What you really want to do on Facebook ads is that you want to connect with people on an emotional Mm -hmm. level. I've gotten to the point where I've clicked on so many really great ads that I'm only getting ones that I really emotionally resonate with. And they're kind of clickbait, but that's kind of the point. Like you have to lure people in or else you're going to be throwing your money down the drain. And it's, I love using that analogy because it's so funny. Like, (laughs) but yeah, you really want to hook people in, get them interested, you know, really spark that curiosity and drive them to your landing page. That is your number one goal with your ads. You kind of have to be a little bit audacious and ostentatious, but you have to drive that traffic to get that click. For sure. And, you know, sales, I feel like have changed throughout, um, you know, throughout the decade. Sales used to be like your door to door and, you know, standing in store and yeah, they're still there. But, you know, sales today is being online completely. A lot of it for actually a lot of products is. And how do you think like, connecting emotionally works online because you know people you're not in front of the customer and you're not like they can they can't see your expression they can't really get to know you you're not having an interaction but you are like trying to make a sale and they are trying to make a purchase how so how do you like make that emotional connection I think that's a gap that a lot of people are trying to figure out that's a very good question my best example I don't know if you've ever seen an ad like this but there are some like 20-year-old college students our age who are posting Facebook ads with Lamborghinis and headlines like, (laughs) want to drop out? This is how you can do it. Like, You have to be very, very bold and kind of push that envelope because people who are scrolling, they're used to seeing like a lot of random different things. You have to make them stop and think, whoa, he has a Lamborghini at 20 years old? How do I do that? I'm clicking on this and I'm seeing this. That is how you do it. You have to be really, really bold, have great photos, very eye-catching photos. So <laughs> that's that's the best way. That's so funny that you said that. But you're right. I love what you said about um, you have to make them stop. Because when they're scrolling endlessly, like it has to be so eye-catching that you just stop. 
Um, one thing that I've noticed recently, a lot of people doing, which has actually been working, and I'm like embarrassed that I fall for it every time, <laughs> <laughs> is the ad has nothing to do with it, but they'll post a picture of their family. And that makes you stop because, you know, it's like Facebook, like you're looking at pictures of, you know, what people are up to. And it's just an ad, but like the picture of the family makes you stop and has nothing to do with the ad. I know. I guess anything that evokes emotion, either curiosity, sadness, happiness. I think there's a few Corona ads that I came across and it was just some really sad images, but it made me click because I'm like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> like, Yeah, absolutely. I was actually reading somewhere like that the emotions that go um, viral, like, you know, like the blog posts or just the ads, things like that, that Mm -hmm. go viral naturally are emotions. And this is kind of weird because I guess that's how the human brain works. Emotions that um, inspire outrage, surprise or fear. Yeah, actually, I read about that, too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just agreeing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because um, why actually that is, because from what I read from my article was because initially, like back in the day, you know, it all leads back to when we're all cavemen. Those are the survival skills. Like you survived because of fear. You survived because of your curiosity, your rage, you know, getting taken down the other group. That's how you survive. So that's the reason like that's majority of our brain really gets attached to and functions really highly on those negative emotions if you really think about it Mm -hmm. so those like kinds of posts and ads like perform better like statistically apparently we're not saying to do that we're just saying that's how it works yeah there's also an ethical kind of background that you have to make sure that you aren't overdoing it like you can't Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, definitely Pain is the number one kind of emotional motivator. It triggers our fight or flight response, but there's mm-hmm. only so far you can kind of dig that pain point where it becomes unethical. So try to find that good balance because you do definitely do want people to collect so you don't waste your money, but you also don't want to kind of mislead people, especially with COVID-19 and everything crazy going on in the world right now. You don't want to mislead people and kind of break that trust because that's not a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. Such a good point that you brought up because we've, you know, been seeing that a lot and it's really unfortunate how companies have, well, not even like, you know, the big established companies, but I guess like small little things that are just starting up now have taken this as a time to prey on people at their most vulnerable, um, which is super unethical and just really sad to see. And, you know, like even um, people selling like fake vaccine kits or fake testing kits. So Mm -hmm. um, it's really important to maintain ethical standards with advertising for sure. Definitely. I think I came across a survival life ad and it was like a DIY hand sanitizer kit. And when I got to the actual landing page, it was kind of (laughs) crazy. I think it was very, very persuasive for a lot of people. But because I knew, Mm -hmm. you know, the basics behind psychology and direct response marketing, I'm like, oh, this is a little bit iffy here. There's a bit of some false misinformation, things like that. But, you know, you just got to be careful. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. Me too. Like, even if I like go through the process, like I see it, I'm very observant. I'm like, okay, this doesn't sound right. And you know, this sounds too much like marketing rather than the product. Like, I feel like today in day and age, the consumer is also really smart. Like they can like quickly jump onto a different tab and check out what's going on. So that comes down to like, you know, your company's integrity and your brand values. So just be careful, like what you're putting out there. And that 
leading on to our next question is like, you know, how you form your brand and image out there really matters to how your customer views you and how they refer other people to you, right? Like word of mouth being one of the strongest marketing forms out there. What are some other tips that you can give to achieve in your experience, uh, word of mouth and referrals? Yeah, that's actually a really good question because at Geisware, 100% of our sales all come through organic marketing. I know it sounds crazy, but I think because we have made it such a point to brand ourselves as the student brand and we're getting more comfortable with sharing our founder stories. So a lot of, you know, what we do as a student-led brand is getting more into entrepreneurship and, you know, as women co-founders also kind of portraying ourselves as a really strong woman who helps out the other women of color and minority student groups as well, kind of partner with them rather than isolating ourselves from anyone else. Mm -hmm. So that's one really great way. And taking the time out to really engage with our followers online. Instagram is such a great platform. Behind every account is a human being. You have to remember that no matter at what stage you are, Do it one-on-one as much as you can as a founder. Don't try to outsource customer service way too early because you're not going to get the crucial tidbits behind your product, your brand, and how other people view you. You need to have those conversations, internalize them, and then turn them into points that you can focus on in your website or your product copy and things like that and your ads so you can really resonate with people. Yeah, that's a great tip, Ocean. Thank you for sharing that Um, because you're totally right. Like sometimes for the sake of expanding your team or wanting to be more professional, it's very easy to outsource customer service. That's one of the most like outsourceable things, especially because now there's all these like automated chatbots and things like that. Um, But the more that you can be the face of your brand, like you were saying, and connect with people and remember that it's like an actual person that's, you know, engaging with your product or service, um, it'll really help for sure. Yeah, thank you. And we did have points where we were literally out on the trenches standing outside and selling for 10, 12 hours straight. And we really had some amazing conversations with people. We got them to follow us and they really got to connect with us as a brand. And then they went home and then told their friends and other colleagues and people in their sororities and fraternities. So that was really amazing. Those dividends definitely do pay off the more upfront work that you put in. Yeah, absolutely. And that shows some great grit. Um, that, you know, you stood there for 12 hours, you know, on multiple days. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just got to do what you have to do to make it happen. And, um, you know, with your experience starting multiple companies, definitely you must be used to, yeah, of course, um, maintaining your energy and maintaining like all the stuff that's going on, right? Like currently you're doing the active wear company or the college wear um, company we're talking about and, you know, even Kaiman and then in the past too. So, what are some tips that you have for entrepreneurs, I guess, maintaining that lifestyle of juggling all the balls and, you know, your operations and things that you keep track of? Like, how do you keep a pulse on all these businesses and what's at the top of your mind? Mm-hmm. I think the number one important thing in terms of making sure your energy is consistent is really leveraging that dopamine hit you get whenever you have a sale, whenever you get a new interview and whatever other else that you consider to be winning. So we started getting a lot, a lot of traction in the beginning of 2020. That's when our PR interviews started to roll in. And I actually got off the phone with NASDAQ 
a few hours ago, which is really crazy. And we just got in contact with someone at Business Insider. So we'll see what happens there. But (laughs) Awesome. Congrats. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's been honestly really crazy. And I think energy is the number one thing that you want to maintain while you're still in your early stages. So Mm -hmm. celebrate your wins. Celebrate the process. That will motivate you to keep pushing forward. Sometimes there are going to be some lulls, not really great situations where you have to deal with some sort of fallout, but keep your energy high and maintainable by breaking up your wins and kind of using that as momentum to push forward. So besides that, you kind of figure out on your own when it is time to start delegating certain things when you're at a certain revenue point and you feel like you're doing something consistently and it's not the best use of your time. So We recently partnered with a digital agency to expand to the University of Central Florida away from the University of Southern California. And we really needed this partnership because we don't have any physical domain in Florida. And we know Mm -hmm. that they're a really good fit based on everything that they've been helping with us. So they're helping us launch our new website. We also have a search engine optimization specialist who's been helping us with that sort of thing. I hadn't really touched SEO in so many years, and he's really gotten me up to speed on this especially because everything's going online and will be pretty much for the next year or so. It's really important to make sure that your business is online. A lot of things can be automated through the tools such as ClickFunnels, Calendly, ActiveCampaign, and so on and so forth. There's a plethora of resources out there that are just, you know, just $10 a month or so. Yeah, for sure. And there is a, some of them like are that are free too. like Canly is like free to use initially. And then there is like even Canva and like a lot of things where you can start with like initial marketing and initial like getting in front of your customer, all of that for like free or like a discounted price as a, a small business or a startup. So I think that would be something like we did our research on too when we even started. And I would say to for anybody who's listening and who wants to like who's wondering how to get started and thinking this is going to be like an investment, putting money in to a lot of online platforms, just there are free ones that you can start with and try to use. Yeah. And um, what you said about energy is like really important, um, like celebrating the wins because it is so because. Like whenever you achieve a goal, like it's your mind's tendency to just go to the next one without getting to fully process that and enjoy that thing that you worked so hard for. So something that's really important to remember is just like, you know, when you're kind of in those moments to remember that right now you're living what you were probably wishing for a few months ago or a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And when you're, when you're just feeling that high, you're celebrating a win, you're more confident, you're more decisive. That's going to come across to any prospects that you talk to, anything that you do, you have a little more oomph to your step. So (laughs) I really love to take that to my advantage and kind of like ride that wave as much as I can. No, that's actually awesome that you said that because that's something like that you actually put it in such a good term that, you know, people will actually not start using it because it will help you to your next one. Like when you're dealing with your next goal, it will make you more confident. And I think I can definitely see that in your work too, because one after the other, you're like going for it bigger than the next one. So congratulations on that, by the way. We just want to say one more time, huge achievement for such a young age too. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ocean, and um, sharing your tips with our audience. Uh, We really appreciate having you today. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) 
If you guys enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe and share with a fellow entrepreneur. Thank you for listening to Ida, and we'll fi- you can find us at thinkida.com. Until next time, ideate, decide, act.